This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Hello and welcome to my Monday Twilight Show. I'm Hannah Wilson and tonight we're going to be talking about domestic abuse, how to support colleagues, what your school can do to support people within the school and how we should be teaching students about it. Feel free to message in or call in and join the discussion. This is Teachers Talk Radio and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to my Monday night show. Um, so tonight's show was inspired by uh, one of those anonymous tweets on Twitter that I saw somebody write about the fact that they thought that somebody in their school was experiencing domestic violence and they wanted to know how to support them. Um, and I think this is a really important thing that schools should know and isn't necessarily um, acknowledged as much. So. Um, I want to speak through different options and places to get support, but also things that you can do because, and explain kind of the process and the mindset behind it because it's it's a very complicated situation and it needs to be dealt with carefully. But also, there's a lot of new terminology that's come around. There's lots of new laws that have come about, and I think it's important that we're teaching our students and staff what they mean and how to use them correctly. Um, firstly, I just wanted to kind of point everyone towards the um, it's a web site called educationalsupport.org.uk um, and they have a domestic abuse um, guide for school staff. Now, I th- I'm quite passionate about this and I think this is something that schools should include in their policy, um, a bit like um, policies for the menopause that have come in and, and um, been put into schools over the last year or so. I do think this is something that could be included um, in schools, but it's definitely worth a read if you're um, unsure of where to go and what you should be doing. Um, so it's really good. So it explains what domestic abuse is, um, why it's relevant and how to spot signs and where to kind of have those conversations and what you need to think about. So um there's lots of different things that people will be experiencing um they might be having threats at home it might be um financial abuse it might be physical abuse it might be mental abuse there's lots of different types of abuse so it's um important to consider that it's just because somebody's not been hit doesn't make it not abuse so you need to think about all the different aspects of it and really understand um, and not underplay what somebody's going through but you might notice these are these are some of the things that it suggests that you might um, see that might impact the workplace so um, reduction in performance confidence and self-esteem increased absence from work increased sick leave reduced ability to get to work um, so those kind of things might become more prevalent and might become more um, obvious to you. Obviously, if someone's in, in imminent danger, you need to call 999, but obviously there's the National Domestic Abuse Helpline, and I'll go through some other places that you can uh, find help throughout. 
I think if you are worried about a colleague, it's important to um, speak to the relevant staff um, about it and people that kind of have experience with dealing with it. But if you want to create a really supportive environment, then you can put kind of posters up in staff toilets um, I think quite a lot of the unions actually have resources that you can print out um, and put up so it's not something you have to create um, make staff aware of kind of signs of domestic abuse and how to respond to it if somebody is disclosed to it so that's more kind of like training up your line managers you'll kind of um, know what to look for and make sure you've got a domestic abuse policy um, in place so kind of thinking about um, Things, other things that you can look for they might have more time off for appointments uh, be excessive clothes being worn to hide injuries and um, maybe have to take phone calls during work time from the partner um, or problems with withdrawal or concentration or anxiety for no apparent reason so um, it, it is important to kind of listen and believe them if they do decide to disclose something to you. I think listening is very much a big part of it um, and not necessarily to probe or ask questions or like I think when quite often the initial response is like just leave just leave and, it, and it's not quite that simple and I'll go into the reasons behind that after but um, it's a case of really listening and, and working out what it is that they need um from you because quite often it, it's not as simple as just that they just need to leave um but do encourage them to, to speak because quite often the first time that they speak that's kind of like quite a big step but it'll be little bits they'll only tell you tiny tiny little bits and it will take quite a long time to kind of reveal the whole um picture but remind them that they're not alone make sure you're showing no judgment um, and giving them um kindness i think that's the most important thing is to just to make them feel safe and, and create a safe space for them to open up to you um, obviously give them um, information of where to find support but also keep in touch make sure that check in on them make sure how they're doing um because it, it, it it's quite a long process sometimes um leaving um, and they might just need that support but also make sure you're looking after yourself you don't want to kind of take it all on board um on just yourself tread sensitively um opportunities to suggest kind of maybe one-on-one -on -one chats have a coffee create a safe space somewhere that's away from everybody else um and just make sure that they feel listened to so things you can say to them i'm really glad you told me you aren't alone this isn't your fault how can i help how can i support you so um as line managers we need to think about how we can do that and also that that's the thing we can train our, our line managers to look for signs and get them to think about that and have normalized kind of misconceptions about domestic abuse in kind of like myth buster type things and think about how we can kind of signpost and make it easy for them to find that information so maybe it's included in a staff bulletin make sure it's in a policy um because i know a lot of trusts and things as well also offer like uh, counseling services that are available for free so those kind of places that they can go and um kind of find the information and kind of help make the steps that they need to um so you need to think about what they're going to need in terms of support so um 
they might need to make sure that their access to work is maintained because quite often work is the safe space like going to work and and being in that place with colleagues and and not being around the partner especially in a school setting if they've not got um they obviously can't be on their phone because they're teaching it, it makes it a really safe place for them um again like if they if they if they have left then perhaps there's quite often everyone thinks oh just leave and it, it's quite often after they leave is actually more difficult than actually with it when you're when you're there and in it you can kind of know what to expect but sometimes the the abuse can escalate um afterwards there can be more phone calls there can be more especially if they're trying to go no contact they might come to their workplace so making sure there's somewhere safe for them to park and uh, making sure that the the other person couldn't get onto site um looking for support of um contacts or um making sure reception staff are aware of if in case they try to come into school um maybe they need you need to offer flexible working patterns or hours to help them get into um it and same as if if it's a it was probably going to be a long process if there's like court arrangements and and things like that then uh, potentially you're going to have to look at um making sure you're flexible in terms of supporting them going through that process because um, it is quite a long <laughs> process to go through the courts. Um, so, and also th- thinking about that, that thinking about um, the different things that you can do in those situations that you could perhaps offer them if they've got children with the partner. So therefore there's going to have to be some contact. They need to think about how that's going to be look like. There are some good apps now that you can co-parent through. So you can actually change your number and block them, but they can have access through this app and that all of that is recorded. They can do FaceTime with their children's on those apps and they're recording. They can also be submitted to court. So there's there's a, like a little safe place so that it quite often it feels like when you've got kids with them that there's or they're always going to have this like hook into you so it's it's kind of working out uh ways to do that but knowing that there is kind of safe ways um to do that and things like that like that people perhaps don't know about they're the extra information quite often people know about kind of women's aid and and the initial places you can go but it's thinking about the long-term support to get through the whole process um is quite important um so you have got like women's aid quite often there's lots of places that have like local um abuse services as well uh, for norfolk i know that that one is leeway um and they're lovely and they answer the phone and you can have long chats you can just have conversations with them which is which is great and sometimes it's you just need somebody that understands what the abuse is to make you feel valid because um quite often uh, with abuse it, it can be quite mentally exhausting and it's kind of dissecting it and having somebody say no that's that's not the correct way for people to uh, be treated if there's male survivors there's a men's advice line um, and that is that is the name of it so then there are specific ones that are for male abuse um, as well as the national domestic abuse helpline domestic and sexual um, violence helpline so there's there's lots of different places to get help from um, if you need it um, another one I'd say is is good to have a read if you want to look up in it is uh, the SecEd um, did an article called Domestic Abuse, Spotting the Signs and Training Teachers. Um, and this talks a little bit about some different aspects of it. I don't want to go massively into um, children and domestic violence, but obviously that is a factor as well. Uh, one in five secondary age children have been exposed to domestic 
abuse and around 130,000 children live in homes where there is high risk domestic abuse. Um, and in this article, Dr. Julie Leone looks at what schools can do to spot the signs and support victims and train their teachers. Um, so it is it is kind of really important that we are considering that it is on the rise and we need to think about how we're supporting our students because it's it's not although we quite possibly always think of it as the kids that maybe are kicking out of school um, but quite often it's the quiet ones they've learned to be quiet they've learned to not react um the ones that are struggling to get their homework in because they're just trying to do it all themselves and um or might not have that opportunity to so it's important that we're looking at all types of students when we're thinking about what they might be exposed to um but yeah one in one in five students aged 11 to 17 have been exposed um but 62 percent of children living with domestic abuse are directly harmed by the perpetrator of the abuse in addition to the harm caused by witnessing the abuse of others. Two in five children live with abuse and had not been referred to children's services before the family entered domestic abuse support. Many more who have been referred did not receive substantial help. So it is a real issue. It's a real stretch service trying to make sure that these um, students are kind of protected. And I think that's one of the things that I want to go into later is kind of looking at the terminology and the times and, and things that they need to look for um, and know what isn't healthy, because um, I think that's um, important. It's not just looking for the kids with the bruises, it's looking at the other aspects as well. And that's the thing that comes with abuse. Abuse isn't just the violence, it's quite often the uh, controlling aspects and things within it. So it's important that we're looking at all kind of areas of abuse and not just the kind of the obvious ones the things that we instantly think of because although granted yeah the, the domestic violence um increases when there's a f football game specifically a national one which we lose which england do a lot um like when there's been more drinking those kind of things specifically like bank holiday the coronation next weekend that's going to be kind of a high pressured situation that potentially is going to increase domestic violence um but it's the ongoing abuse that happens the rest of the time um that is also worth considering that it's not just those obvious ones uh that we kind of think of automatically in our heads when we think of domestic abuse and quite often the the, the actual victim will think like that as well they think oh well they never hit me so it's not real abuse um and actually we need to change that stigma and think about how we talk about abuse and what abuse actually is and what healthy relationships are um and i think that kind of also stems in a little bit with kind of the rise of andrew tate and the idea that women need to be submissive and and, and need to be controlled and and have this role and and actually it that's that's not a healthy um viewpoint and we need to make sure our students are considering that um i believe there's, there's there is a, a show on teacher talk radio that discusses that if you want to have a search through and listen back to that it is a good one um this uh, article that i was reading from uh Seked, um it does note the freedom program now i can't rate the freedom program more highly enough they um got me through my own abuse I actually did the program twice because the first time it was so much information to take in that I wanted to do it again um, and really understand it and actually I, th I think this should be taught in schools there is a child version um, but it basically it talks through the different personalities of the different types of um, abusers 
Um, and this is really kind of, I think it's really interesting to break it down into those because quite often that abusers will kind of go over more than one. Um, but it's certainly interesting. And some things I was like, I didn't even know that that, I didn't know that was a thing. Um, but it's really interesting to break it down into these. And I, I think this should be put into the curriculum personally, but it's it's really interesting that they picked it out in this um, uh, article, but it's a free program. It's called Freedom Program. Um, and uh, if you Google it online, you can find it. Um, they quite often have a safe word in it. So if you need to rush off, they you can leave. Um, they can also um, call the authorities for you if they uh, you say a certain word and it's your opportunity to talk to other people and you have this safe environment where people support you um, and just helps you understand what you went through and that it's not your fault and also to understand what healthy things look like and what you should look like and understand to see the signs in future. So I'm going to go through these. The first one is the jailer. So the jailer stops you from going out, stops you from working or seeing friends, tells you what to wear and who to see and makes it difficult for people who care about you to stay in contact. So that's quite one that people often think about in terms of how they take you away from your friends and they um, try and isolate you somewhat um, if they are, if you like certain friends they will maybe uh, let, allow you to stay in contact so maybe they'll let you stay in contact with other other couples that will maybe look good but certainly they'll make you uh, get rid of anybody that's threatening like any male friends and things like that or potentially a family as well if, if they they oppose a threat uh, next we have the bully so the bully glares shouts smashes things slams things and sulks so this is another one that we kind of think of people that like punch walls next to people or throw plates or slam things. Um, so this is when they're obviously getting into a mood. So um, quite often glares just literally like it can be one of those things that you just know if, if somebody's looking at you a certain way um, as well can be really kind of put you on edge. It's just really uncomfortable. So any of those things are quite threatening. Next, we have the head worker. So the head worker puts you down, insults you and tells you that you are stupid or fat or ugly or useless and you can never survive without them. Um, and this is one of their tactics is that they want to reduce your self-esteem. They want you to feel really, really little. And also they want you to feel like you can't survive without them, that you you need them, that nobody else will have you. So and you'll, ne you'll never be able to do it on your own so that they're kind of really belittling you and trying to make you feel like you can only survive with them. Um, and really take away any confidence you have. So this might be something that you spot at work that actually um, you see somebody, their sparkle's gone, they're starting to, to just look really deflated, really fed up. Maybe they even put on weight because they're comfort eating, because they're constantly being put down, they're constantly having these insults. Like that's If you're getting that on a daily basis, it's really draining. So um, it, this is one of those, that is, it's, it's not an obvious one of abuse that people think of, but all these things um, are really kind of negative and putting you down, but also playing into that idea that you then become this, trapped with them they're kind of basically wearing you out psychologically that you can't survive without them 
Um, next is the persuader. The persuader tells you he will kill himself or you or the kids if you leave. He promises to change, cries and tells you he loves you, threatens to report you to social services, the benefit agencies, etc. So um, this is the person that will do anything to keep you, that they will threaten um, to take the kids from you, will report you, will uh, do things to make sure that you kind of stay. They might say, oh, I'm going to tell them you said this. I'm going to tell you that you said that um, in order to make you um, feel like you just have no options. And this is one of the things like if you put if you put the, those two together, if you've got the head worker who's constantly putting you down and you feel like really, really low, and then you've got the persuader that's like, well, if you leave, I'm going to do this. If you leave, I'm going to do that. Um, you're never going to be able to have the kids again if you go, I'm going to take them from you. I'm going to make sure social services think you're an awful mother and um, or father. Uh, so you put those together, it really feels impossible to leave. So this is where you can kind of start seeing that picture as why perhaps somebody doesn't um, leave and it's not quite as simple as that. Next, you've got the liar. Um, the liar denies the abuse, tells you it was only a slap, blames you or blames drink or stress or overwork or the kids. So the liar just thinks that basically none of it happened and it's a very kind of limited thing. Like it doesn't it was it was only that one time, it was only that little thing, um and and that it's it it wasn't their fault. They didn't mean to, it was an accident, it didn't really happen. Um it was just because of this that that happened. It won't happen again. Um, and they kind of start telling this this web um, of lies to make you basically feel like the abuse wasn't as bad as they make out to be. Um, so in your head, you're like, oh, wow, that was really, really bad. And it was like, oh, it was only this. It was only that. It was. It's not as bad as you think it was. And and again, that like kind of works in your brain and kind of uh, makes you feel like what you would think think happened wasn't as bad as what it actually was in reality like if you were to actually go and tell somebody else what happened they would not be like oh it was only a slap um and I think that's that's quite a key one and if if if, when you told somebody else they wouldn't react like that that's quite um, an interesting one to be able to tell them apart then you've got the bad father uh, so the bad father tells you that you are a bad parent, turns on the children against you, threatens to take the children away, persuades you to have his baby and then refuses to co-parent and uses access arrangements to harass you. Um, so that that's one of those things that, again, once even if you do decide to leave, the abuse does continue afterwards and it can be really difficult, especially the first year or two. Um, and using your the child as a weapon to get access to you to get contact with you to try and regain control of you um, and this is quite often why um people end up going back to their abusers people are like well why did they go back and it's like this is why because they make it so difficult for people when they've left that actually it's easier to go back it's it's easier it's better for your children they're not abusing your children if you go back so it, it's quite an interesting one in that respect to think really think about what they're being put through in those moments and how they can guard themselves and help themselves to be able to get through there because it's really really quite difficult next we have the king of the castle um so the king of the castle uses money to control you expects you to do all the houseworks and treats you like a slave so the king of the castle like literally is the guy that kind of uh, thinks that they own you you're there to be your slave you are expected to do everything um 
they're like doing housework is beneath them they've been at work you need to do everything and and it kind of they're, they're not a team player they're not somebody that's going to be helping you they're very much expecting you to do everything even if you're on your knees and being like I really need you to help like they're like no it's your job you do it I'm not doing it I don't want to you're doing it um so that's why quite often if you see colleagues quite often they'll be more tired because they're literally having to do everything and then the last one is the sexual controller so it keeps you pregnant rapes you or rejects you sexually so um that one's quite um full on one I didn't realize um until I went through the freedom program that those actually like kind of pregnancy trapping they will quite often um keep you pregnant to try and make sure that you can't uh, leave um so there's lots of different kind of aspects of that so um that one is a very very devious person and a difficult one to escape from so um it's definitely worth looking at those so um there are graphics on it uh produced by miss craven and there's a, a book called living with the dominator um that you can purchase so if it's something that you're interested in and want to know more about then you can kind of purchase that and read that and it might help you support um staff um in kind of looking or understanding those different things um so they're the different types of abuser and, and i started kind of discussing how those different things um stop you kind of from from leaving a situation when um people are like oh just get help just leave and i think that's the 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 thing with it is it is really difficult so on top of that i want to kind of bring in some different terms that are quite often used with domestic violence um and the type of people um that use it and and things so quite often um domestic um abuse is linked with somebody with narcissistic personality disorder um and i've done a lot of research into narcissistic uh, personality disorder and it's generally done from people who had um difficult childhoods that weren't loved um and weren't nourished and had quite traumatic childhoods and they didn't um, build this normal schema so when they've scanned people with narcissistic personality disorder they've not had the same schema in their head as a normal child um, and quite often it's this idea that actually they never felt uh, love like a normal normal person in a normal family um, so they're trying to replicate what they see um, as normal but they don't really know uh, what that is so they don't really feel like kind of empathy or anything but basically they're trying to use people to kind of get to um that status so um i, I saw um something on instagram so i was going to read it which kind of describes narcissistic um narcissistic abuse in kind of 30 seconds or less but it might take me a bit longer to read it so basically at the start they go from being their soulmate to the center of the universe to nothing you never ever being good enough so that's basically like love bombing and i'm going to come to love bombing shortly um as that's one of like a, a things that we need to teach our students to look out for as well um so you give them everything you have until there's nothing left in you they take it all, give you nothing, and make it seem like you never did anything for them. You're left drained in every aspect of your life, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, and often financially. 
and they blame it and they blame you for it all and play the victim so the idea there is that like kind of narcissism they kind of lure you in um they, they, they there's a couple if you if you're really interested in narcissism there's a couple of guys on um instagram who are self-professed narcissists and they now try and help other people understand narcissism so they're definitely worth um if you want to really understand it have a, a look into those but um they uh discuss um things like um being what being a narcissist is and they call they call the, the people that they absorb in their life they call their supply okay and they call it um about having a supply so the person that they're with is their supply and they generate from their kind of all their needs if that supply dries up they'll get another one quite often they'll cheat and have other supplies on the side that they'll be getting other things from. Um, so it's this idea that the, the people are that like this supply that they need to get the love and attention and their needs met by these other people because they're not capable of doing their own needs. So um, at the start, a narcissist will quite often uh, love bomb somebody. So there's an article last week, I want to say. Yes, April was last week. Um, that the CPS have recognised love bombing as a sign of abuse and how to spot it. So if you want to read that, you can do. Um, but basically, love bombing is kind of the idea that at the start, somebody is like showering you with gifts, but not necessarily always gifts, but like loads of attention, lots of compliments, texts, phone calls, making loads of promises um future faking is quite a strong one so like they'll be like oh you're like the woman of my dreams like I can't wait to have children with you I can't wait to go on holiday with you oh my gosh I imagine like us getting a house together like they 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 will kind of constantly say about things that are going to happen in the future that they kind of want to um to help manipulate you and help make you think that they're the perfect man um or woman uh, there are narcissistic women as well I think everybody is a little bit narcissistic um there's a little bit of narcissism in everybody we all like to kind of do the little white lies to get what we want or um but it's, it's really looking at, at the level um of narcissism that's that's within it um so they might be really needy they might have excessive kind of adoration towards you they might say that they're falling in love or they've fallen in love really quickly um and actually i've had that a couple of times and as soon as a guy that i haven't met tells me that they're falling in love with me i'm like nah gone um it is kind of a, a very much a tactic that they want you to feel like they're the one and um everything is perfect and you have so much in common so quite often they'll read your profile uh they will pick up on things that you say in conversations and be like oh my gosh you love the beach i love the beach too oh they're my favorite and actually like you date them in a couple of years down the road like, i hate the beach it's just really sandy i'm like i go to the beach like three times a week six times a week in the summer like but actually it was all a lie just to kind of get hooked at the start so it is really important to kind of think about 
um, kind of teaching students to look for love bombing because um, you might end up getting lots of butterflies and feeling really excited by this person and all the attention that you're getting but actually those butterflies are actually probably your anxiety and actually being set off that actually this is wrong this isn't right there you're kind of warning bells not your butterflies of kind of being excited um, and I think that's something that we need to tell students to be wary of and consider and thinking about kind of what it is that we need to look for um and they quite often if you if you pull them up on anything they might be like oh no you're just overreacting and then um also like kind of redirect the conversation so if they try if you try and have a proper conversation they might kind of redirect it to something else um they might also do insecure thoughts like oh you'll never find anyone with a connection like this um things like that um they will compliment you and if you don't compliment them back they will kind of fish for them um they'll they'll tell you something about themselves like a fear or something that's happened to you to try and get you to connect quite often they might often even find out something about you to try and connect on the same level um so love bombing is a really kind of interesting thing that um kind of we must kind of educate people into looking at the signs of it so um i will read the technical uh definition of love bombing in the full instance so um let me just get that one up got clicked on the wrong side um so things like they lavish you with gifts uh, they can't stop complimenting you. They bombard you with phone calls and texts. They want your undivided attention. So quite often they'll ask you if they're talking to other people, things like that. They try to convince you that they are your soulmate. They want um, commitment and they want it now. So they'll try and like go exclusive really early, maybe move in really quickly. Um, they get upset when you place boundaries. So when you try and slow things down and kind of put in boundaries, they kind of don't really accept them very well. They're quite needy. They're overwhelmed by their. Uh, you feel overwhelmed by their intensity. You feel unbalanced. Um, so that's kind of lots of signs of it. That's where's the other one. Um, but love bombing is an attempt to influence a person by demonstration of affection and attention. It can be used in different ways and for either positive or negative purposes. Psychologists psychologists have identified love bombing as a possible part of a cycle of abuse and have warned against it. It's been described as psychological manipulation in order to create a feeling of unity within a group against a society perceived as hostile. So it is, it's really interesting. I would definitely recommend kind of looking into love bombing if you've never heard of it before. But it's certainly kind of quite often how majority of abusive situations start. And, and, and it creates this false narrative that you're like, but, but they used to be really good. They used to really help. They used to do um, all of these amazing things. But actually, it was just it was just this false persona that they put on for the first like three, four months. That's probably as long as they can hold it up um, to try and create you think. And then you're kind of hooked. So you um, are then kind of attached to them. And quite often they'll do it that there will there will be so many compliments um, that you'll kind of um, then they start to kind of withdraw those and then they turn to that the head worker. And they start saying that you're stupid or you're ugly or you're fat 
or nobody else would survive without you. And just as the point where they get you to the lowest that you could possibly go, then they'll give you that compliment and they'll hook you in. And it, and it kind of becomes this cycle that um, as a victim that you're kind of really looking for that, you only get the positives from them, but it's that you're kind of almost reliant on when am I going to get that praise? I'm going to do everything I possibly can to get that positive uh, compliment from them so they basically basically love bomb you and then kind of withdraw it to kind of have you reliant on them and that's why a lot of people really struggle um to leave because of that situation um and then adding on to that you've then got um something called gaslighting um so gaslighting gaslighting for me was a real eye-opener I'd never really heard of it I didn't know what it was at all um and ironically um I feel like I maybe um I'm going to share a lot of myself tonight on this show anyway but um I found out what gaslighting was watching Love Island Australia um and they were talking about one of the guys doing it on that and and then I googled it and looked it up and found out about it and I was like this is what I'm experiencing um and it's the gaslighting again is 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 an uh, a real difficult part of abuse because it it's so manipulative and it and it is that kind of linking back to um where are we the liar um that the abuse tells you it was, it was only this it was only that and and kind of they basically gaslight you into thinking that your version of reality wasn't true and it wasn't what happened um but obviously in any relationship friendship or anything though there will be times where you disagree and you may argue uh feelings run high um but that's healthy but you'll negotiate you'll decide to agree or to disagree um and that's perfectly normal and same as gaslighting isn't particularly just for relationships that can it can happen in work as well so maybe there's somebody in work that's potentially gaslighting other people um and it's it's worth definitely considering what it is and how it works as a tool and things to uh, look out for. So gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation and abuse. Um, so I'm reading this, sorry, I'm reading this from the Relate website. Relate is a great one for um, support from abuse, but yeah. So gaslighting is a form of psychological manipulation and abuse in which the perpetrator makes his or her partner question and doubt their own perception, memory, judgment, and sanity. It is a manipulative tactic used to gain power and is part of a pattern of coercive and controlling behavior. A form of emotional domestic abuse Whilst it usually occurs within a couple of relationship, a couple relationship, it can occur in any relationship, such as friendships, work colleagues, within families. Gaslighting typically occurs over a period of time and is not a one-off interaction. Gaslighting differs from genuine relationship disagreements in that one person is consistently negative and criticizes the other's perception, insisting that they are wrong, or tell him that their emotional reaction is irrational, over the top, or that they are imagining things. Their partner over time starts to doubt their own reactions and thoughts. So gaslighting is quite dangerous because um, it undermines a person's sense of self-belief. If you tell somebody that they're wrong about something over and over again, it can make them feel really unconfident and insecure. Um, and it eventually just 
that it, it can be so relentless that you just end up agreeing with that person because you just want it to stop. So the thing, especially with narcissistic abuse, they will basically go round and round and round in circles. You can literally present them with the evidence. You'd be like, here is the text you sent with me saying it. And they'll be like, no, no, that's not what I wrote. That's not what I said. And they will go round and round and round until basically you're so exhausted from the conversation that you just end up agreeing. And that's basically the tactic is that they wear you down and manipulate you to the point where you lose kind of all sense of where the start and the end of what you're actually discussing is. Um, And this can be really, really difficult because um, you can lose a sense of self. um, You might then become completely compliant with the abuser. um, They might cut themselves off from friends and family because they've like completely kind of wiped you as to what reality is and quite often you'll come depressed and sometimes even suicidal so this is like a really dangerous side of gaslighting um so and quite often as well like if you're they'll say something and they'll be like no you're crazy it wasn't like this it was like that um what do you think? No, you're completely wrong. And and it's that kind of conversation that they're kind of completely uh, destroying everything that you're saying um, it is and what happened, even though you can know 100% in your mind exactly what happened. You'd be like, no, it happened this way. This was what happened. And they will just keep going and going and going and wear you down um, until you end up agreeing with their uh, renditions of how things happen. Um, so in most cases, it is a deliberate choice by the partner to gaslight. Um, so it is generally um, kind of known what they're doing as well, which is quite the scary part. And it, and it does happen in work settings as well. Uh, you could be continuously blamed for situations or decisions that are not your responsibility. You may find yourself being undermined by another co- colleague for no justifiable reason. You may be left out of office communications or not formed about meetings. Um, may, it may be just purely down to envy or they're trying to push you out. They don't want you there. Um, so it can happen in a school setting um in a workplace environment um, and I've certainly heard of it in in other schools so is is again one of those taking stock writing it down discuss it with somebody impartial and make sure that it's not kind of in your head that it has happened how you think it is um but it's important to do something about it if you are in the situation um before it becomes habitual um and I, I can definitely agree with that. With the with the idea of it going round and round and round and they kind of keep manipulating you in this situation to believe their truth rather than your truth. Um the way I, the best way I can describe it is it's almost like um this is how I imagine um like cults to work. Like they go and they go and they go until your perception of reality doesn't exist. Um, and I certainly I felt it when I when I left and I went through the Freedom Project um, that like the more I went through the Freedom Project, the more the fog lifted and the more I, I, I literally felt like I'd been brainwashed um, into kind of accepting the the alternative narrative to what happened. Like when I had been hit, it was always an accident. It was never meant. Um, and it was kind of very much that it, it was it was he was tr- trying to get my phone if i just let go of my phone he wouldn't have hit my stomach and and in that situation like i kind of believed that it was genuinely an accident 
but like in reality if you look at it back at it now if I, I say it out loud I feel really stupid like I'm like well he shouldn't have even been trying to grab my phone in the first place that's not a kind of normal situation so it is kind of one of those that as well if you do suspect um a colleague of going through it is kind of reminding them what healthy options are to help them define the narrative um and that was that was one of mine like my my friend um left um her other half left and and she got in contact with me um to go and um see swimming we used to beach lifeguard together in our uh, early 20s and it was really nice having her reach out and I was like yeah in the summer holidays my son is in nursery uh we can do that that would be great it'll be like it was really nice and my um the abuser he was at work so he had he couldn't control that situation which was really really nice and um I suddenly started doing something that was for me and, and I sat there on the beach and we were chatting after afterwards and she said that she was going through therapy and she was watching all these self-help videos um, and one of them was saying about how um, that you need to think about you. So if you are in this situation, you need to think about you. Do something that is going to make yourself happy. So either then, because this, this was based on a, a scenario that her ex had left and and it was she wasn't sure whether they would hopefully get back together but basically it said the idea is that you look after yourself you put yourself first you concentrate on yourself and either they fall back in love with you because you found your spark again or you're then strong enough and independent enough to leave and that probably saved my life to be honest and um that is my biggest thing that because leaving is not a quick, easy thing to do. So if you are in that situation and you are considering it, then definitely kind of build up to it. Do something that is good for you and kind of work out um, how to build your self-confidence. Um, and then you'll, you'll have enough to kind of create a scenario to kind of leave. Once you start feeling more like you again, unless like the gaslight lit version that they've kind of made you into you can then perhaps maybe start talking to other people specifically colleagues because that workplace is a really safe place um, and it's important that it stays that way as well um so obviously the consequence of gaslighting over time is that um you're basically letting them get away with it um in order to have a quiet life that's that's written here and it's very very true um so it can significantly damage both your mental well-being and your relationship. Um, and if, if um, even though discussing their behaviour with your partner feels unsafe and fills you with, you with fear because of how you think they might react, then you should seriously consider ending the relationship and swiftly moving on. And, and obviously, that's the thing. Quite often, you, you feel brave enough and you want to discuss it with them and you say, look, how you treated me is not OK, but then they'll gaslight you into it. So it's kind of this really big cycle, but really understanding what gaslighting is and understanding if they're using it on you um, is a really important way. And I think that's something that we really need to teach our students to understand what gaslighting is so they can recognise the signs early on and not be manipulated. So it's really important that we're kind of educating uh, people on what it is, because uh, quite often people will use gaslighting incorrectly and be like, oh, you're gaslighting me. And it's it's that I, I will correct kids and be like, nope, that is not what it means. Um, so it, it is important that we're considering um, how to use it properly.
so um so Gaslit actually comes from um, a play, so uh, written in the 1930s, uh, and it was later adapted into a film in the 1940s in which a husband attempts to drive his wife insane by deceit and trickery in order to steal from her. One of the tactics he used to is to dim the gaslights, making them flicker. When she asked him why this was happening, he convinced her that she's imagining the dimming. Um, so I, I find that I'm... I'm always the teacher. I find that uh, that's a really interesting uh, thing that it's actually come from this this play. Um, but it can occur um, again in those different areas, and and it is is the form of coercive control, which I'm going to come to um, in a moment as well. But it can be gaslighting can happen between friends and family members as well. It doesn't just have to be between um, a relationship. And again, it doesn't necessarily always include uh, violence either. So um, it's just a pattern of behaviour. It's not a one-off hurtful comment. It's a pattern of manipulating you to think that the reality is different to what happened. You're okay. You can both disagree that things didn't quite happen the way you think they did because everyone's entitled to their opinion and their viewpoint. But it's important to understand what the difference is um, between them, if that makes sense. So uh, let's have a look at what coercive control is next um so coercive control so coercive control is another like kind of phrase so these are my, my phrases that i wanted to kind of get in and discuss so we've had love bombing we've had gaslighting and now we've got coercive control so it's an act or pattern of uh acts let me start that one again Coercive control is an act or pattern of acts of assault, threats, humiliation, intimidation or other abuse that is used to harm, punish or frighten their victim. Uh, this controlling behaviour is designed to make a person dependent by isolating them from support, exploiting them, depriving them of independence and regulating their everyday behaviour. So this is um, what uh, Women's Aid says about um, coercive control. So like I said, I'm trying to use a range of different sites. So there really is lots of places to look for information and understand um, what is available to us. And that's, that's the great thing about um, this is that especially like women's aid that's all free you can call them you can leave messages you can tell them times to call back they can um do it as well so they can do it in in if there's a situation which needs to be safe and um, they always start it as well that there's like if there's a situation you need to say something and hang up or go um and things like that so there's there's lots of steps when you call these type of places that try and make you safe and make it a safe situation. So even if you're really scared, do do call them and speak to them when you get a chance, because there's lots of ways that they can try and support you. Um, yeah. So coercive control, this uh, controlling behavior is designed to make a person um, be more isolating from different situations. Um it has now been made a criminal offence. So this is something that Women's Aid um, campaigned for. And I think it's great that it, it's in there. Um, and it's marked a huge step forward in tackling domestic abuse. Um, but we want to make sure that everyone understands what it is. And it's really, really hard to prove coercive control. Um, I remember speaking to a police officer. And specifically, if you've got kids, she's like, um, that it's it's really hard to prove in court so it's really important that if if you are in that situation that you do log everything um also 
another law that was recently was changed last year previously you had to report uh what happened to you within six months of the the situation um for me the last time they were violent was in january and i left in august and then when i reported it to the police in august it was out of the six months window so they couldn't prosecute um but now they've extended that so you have a longer period and they can um now prosecute so i think that's that's a real step forward and there are lots of things and same as um if you haven't watched the documentary about the um is it georgia harris and bear about the kind of um using porn um and the new rules that are coming there she's now campaigning for more rights of the victims in those situations because that that again is is coercive control trying to control people trying to degrade um people after they've left the relationship um so it all kind of all fits together and you can start to see this kind of picture that it's not as simple as just somebody hitting somebody and leaving there's a lot more to it um than that but coercive control creates an invisible chain and a sense of fear that uh, pervades all elements of victim's life it works to limit their human rights but depriving them their liberty and reducing their ability for actions experts like evan stark liken coercive control to being taken hostage as he says the victim became captive in an unreal world created by the abuser entrapped in a world of confusion contradiction and fear so how do you know if it's happening to you so are you isolated from friends and family depriving you of basic needs such as food monitoring your time monitoring you via online communication tools or spyware taking control over aspects of your everyday life such as where you go where you can sleep depriving you access to support services such as medical services repeatedly putting you down saying you're worthless humiliating degrading dehumanizing you controlling your finances making threats or intimidating you and i think that's one as well that um isn't necessarily considered is the side of the financial controlling and quite often they will like control the finances have a joint account have everything put into that joint account maybe you don't necessarily have the passwords for it um and they make it really financially difficult for you to leave and it it is the idea that you can't survive without them you can't take the kids and survive you can't pay that mortgage i'm going to make it as difficult as humanly possible when you leave and and it is really difficult in that situation same as um when i left uh my ex came back to the house um and refused to leave uh my mum called the police and at that point i hadn't reported the domestic violence so they couldn't do anything about it because his name was on the uh, records um for the house so he was fully entitled to be there and and be abusive and um same as he was then actually there in front of my mum he was doing the things that we mentioned earlier he was saying that he was going to say that i forged his signatures on documents and stuff to try and uh, get more money out of the house and things and um it wasn't once i had reported it to the police they then put an alert on my house um so i do highly recommend that if you do leave do put do tell the police quite often you can also tell the police before you're leaving to make them away and say i'm going to leave on this day at this time um if i call from that address please make sure somebody comes straight away because this is going to happen and so kind of really protecting yourself and it just means that you're just by protecting yourself and putting that extra barrier in place that you're that in that protected area that um they will come to you quickly if you uh if they receive a phone call from that number
I don't even think um I don't even think they have to necessarily uh, hear you speak. They'll just know that it'll come up with that number and that address. So um, they will come. But like I said, uh, coercive control is quite hard to um, record, but they are trying to uh, make it easier and, and be better at prosecuting it. So there were 17,616 offences of coercive control uh in the year ending March 2019, whereas the year before, in 2018, there was uh, 9,053. So the amount of cases is increasing that people are reporting it. Um, so, and again, it, can, it doesn't have to be uh, just between a couple. It could be to relationships or, or family. So if they're calling your family and threatening them afterwards um, or saying, if you don't do this, um, I'm going to do this. Like I had it that when I said I was going to go through uh, CSA, there was a lot of financial um, coercion um, in terms of withholding child support and things like that. Um, and when I said I was going to go through CSA, I was very much threatened. Uh, and my mum was called and and it was and and actually when it all went through that was became very evident as to why <laughs> um that was happening so it's really important that you put barriers um in and like i said before about the app that you can get so you can block their numbers and they can just contact you through that app so it's for your child um because it can be quite difficult they'll quite often use facetimes or calls with the child to try and get hold of you and contact you but the best thing you can do with an artist or an abuser is is no contact and it is really difficult because society has this big portrayal that we must co-parent like in the movies we must hang out at soccer we'll all have sunday lunches together and be this big happy family and actually that's not the reality that's not going to do your mental health you've been in that relationship where you've been abused and you've done what they need you to do constantly for this time it takes a while to get out of that cycle of allowing them to abuse you and coercively control you so it's really important that you're putting in those steps to have no control so if you are supporting them is try your best to try and get them to go no contact it's really hard but if they go no contact that is what is going to really help them reset themselves and keep busy um so it's really important that try and get them that would be my one bit of advice for anybody that's doing it try and make sure that they go no contact and really reduce everything down to a minimum you can have contact centers you could have their party pick up places and spots so um just don't let them have that opportunity to start that controlling cycle um again so um, I'm just going to play the news and then we will have some more uh, chats about tips and things that you can do to support colleagues. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. ASCOL is due to ballot members for the first time in its history. The four education unions will ballot over strike action this term and, if backed by members, would see action stretching into next year and could lead to full school closures. The government continues to hold its position that the most recent pay offer is fair and reasonable and that next year school funding will be at its highest level in history. Schools Week covers the further implications of school funding issues in a story about the cuts some head teachers are making. In a survey conducted by the National Foundation for Education Research for the Sutton Trust, 
it was found that schools are cutting back on school trips, teaching assistance and IT equipment to help balance stretch budgets. Responses from 1,428 primary and secondary teachers show 50% of senior leaders said their school had cut back on trips and outings this year. Schools in the most disadvantaged areas were most likely to be impacted by cuts to trips. The research suggests that in secondary schools, leaders are also cutting back on subject choices at both GCSE and A-level. The Department for Education has estimated schools overall could afford £2.4 billion in new spending between 2022 and 2024 before facing net pressure on their budgets. But the Confederation of School Trusts warned its members could face a prolonged period of financial challenge due to pay rises and other increasing costs if more funding was not forthcoming. The Sutton Trusts poll also showed that some school leaders are using pupil premium funding to plug budget gaps. The report also underlines the issue of recruitment into the sector, with the NFER predicting that the DfE will again miss its recruitment into initial teacher training target this year. Meanwhile, the TES focused on a DfE funding rule change to help schools hit by falling pupil numbers due to a decline in birth rate. Schools that are not rated good or outstanding will be eligible for additional funding. Other changes will be introduced from 2024 to 25, and councils will set expectations around the minimum funding they must provide to support schools with significant increases in pupil numbers. Schools with more than one site will also receive extra funding where they need to duplicate services over multiple sites. Falling birth rates mean there are projected to be half a million fewer pupils in English state nurseries and primaries in 2028, compared with 2022. Nurseryworld.co.uk reports on the findings of its recent survey into staff wellbeing around Ofsted inspections. In the article on its website, it reports that over 3,000 owners, managers and staff responded to questions around mental health and well-being and the impact of inspections. Many responded that they felt increased stress and anxiety in the run-up to an inspection, with many having sleepless nights and some suffering from panic attacks and depression. The possibility of losing funding, should a setting be judged inadequate, was also mentioned. Full details of the survey can be found on the Nursery World website. The Guardian reports that a record figure of £4.8 billion interest has been added to student debt in Britain last year. The government has more than doubled the amount of money it makes from charging interest on student loans as graduates face borrowing costs of almost twice the rate set by the Bank of England. The Office for National Statistics said the accrued interest had doubled from £2.3 billion in the previous year. The forecast average debt among the cohort of students who started their course in 2021 and 22 is £45,800 when they complete their course. Finally, the Morning Star in Scotland reports that increased spending per school pupil is failing to deliver improved outcomes. Spending per pupil has risen to £8,500 in Scotland, compared with around £7,200 across England, Wales and Northern Ireland but attainment in Scotland is not on a similarly rising trajectory. Research by the Institute for Fiscal Studies shows that despite having the highest spending per pupil across the UK for a long period, test scores in reading, maths and science have either stayed the same or have been going down. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. 
This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to attempt to explain in simple terms how the internet works. Let's take this tech briefing for example. I know every single one of you at some point have thought, how on earth can someone who makes a recording in one part of the world be broadcast globally to thousands of people and there'll be very few errors? I won't even go off when you go under a bridge. Although, I did give Tom Rogers a lift once and can tell you he's so radio he stopped talking when I drove through the Mersey Tunnel. For the internet to work, a way of allowing people to simultaneously use the same cables had to be created. The traditional phone call method could not be used because this would limit the number of users. If computers made a dedicated connection like a phone call does, then there'd be a lot of waiting going on. Imagine if you had to wait in line for a download. You are 457th in the queue. Your download is important to us. Please listen to this monotonous music while you wait. It simply wouldn't catch on. So, what happens? Data is transmitted in a similar way to the postal system. Just a lot quicker. Right now, this podcast is arriving on your device in a series of packets. Packets are really small chunks of data that can be sent from device to device via routers. Without getting too geeky on you, the host server gets a request from you when you press play. The request says start sending me the packets of the audio chocolate you know as Steve Woods' tech briefing. And like chocolate, it's split into chunks. These chunks are given an address to get to, an address of where they came from, some other information like the type of file being sent so your device knows which applications you open it in, and a number so the packets can be ordered and rebuilt when they arrive. These packets are directed over the internet by routers that use the address information to direct them and then rebuilt by your device once they arrive. Because packets are so small and can be forwarded rapidly, lots of computers can send data at the same time and keep everybody connected. So next time you're using the internet, consider that what you're looking at has probably been split into thousands of packets routed across the world and been rebuilt in a matter of milliseconds for you to enjoy. As always, if you have a tech question, why not send it to at TT Radio Official. I'm Steve Woods. And that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello and welcome back. So previously I was talking about the different uh, signs that we need to teach our students to understand. So we want them to understand what love bombing is and what it looks like so that they're not just excited by all the gifts and and get lured into um, a situation that's unhealthy. Um, Also that we know what... um, gaslighting is and how to spot the signs and how to understand the um, repercussions of that Um, but also what coercive control is and what that looks like and how it is used um, to keep somebody in an abusive situation but the things that we can uh, kind of encourage students to do um, from the kind of start a relationship is to make sure that actions match their words and I think that's something that we need to make sure that we are teaching our pupils uh, when looking for a healthy relationship that what people say that they're doing they are following through on and uh, it's it's not this bravado of, of speech uh, to lure you into a situation that they are genuine and their actions follow so very much we need to make sure that students are uh, are kind of almost drilled into them that um but they need to really look at what somebody's doing and the way they are treating and the way they're treating other people um, as well. And I think there's a, there's a great little um, YouTube video uh, about consent and the cup of, uh, cup of English cup of tea um, and the the idea you wouldn't just go drink from somebody's cup of tea. You'd you'd ask um, to make to 
to make the cup of tea before you have a drink and I think it's it's it should be taught alongside with that that um we need to make sure that somebody is genuine before we allow them into our lives and trust them because especially with um online um today as well there's there's lots of this that there's a lots of predators out there that are, are using these tactics they are well versed in love bombing and coercive control and gaslighting um to be able to get a young person's attention uh, from the other side of the screen using fake profiles and fake pictures and and different language to try and lure them into the situation and, and people don't really understand um who is the other side of that so i think it's very much that we need to make sure people are really considering the reality and make sure that it's matching those words so um I do think that all, all schools should have a guide on um, a, a domestic abuse and, and have that in their school policy. Ideally, it should be linked into your kind of briefing notes along with any other things like your menopause policy or um, your counselling policy and things that you have available to staff. But um, as I said previously, I, I think it's it, you don't want to confront somebody that you believe might be experiencing it. You want to support them, give them a safe space, a quiet space where it's just the two of you and, and let them talk. They might just give you little snippets. So if, you, if you've got this inkling that they are in that abusive situation and they've told you just tiny little bits, then it's, it's, there's probably going to become more. They just need to trust you and they need to build up that confidence. If they're starting to say it out loud as well, it's very much that they're definitely going to be gearing up to a point where they are in a position to leave. But it, it is, it's, it's very much they have to, to start, when they start saying it out loud, it's a really, really important step. So it's important to support them and understand what their needs are and understand what they want. But as you can probably understand from everything that I've talked about on this show and all those different types of abusers. So if they're kind of having a like a little bit of everything. So if they've got the jailer who's stopping them from going out and they're feeling isolated, if they've got the bully that gives them glares and kind of smashes things and sulks, sulking, like they're giving goes all the way down to like the silent treatment and just just the mental games the head worker putting them down insulting them constantly um belating them and saying that they'll never survive without them they'll you're no one else will want you and then you've got the persuader who's like well if you leave i'm going to take the kids and you'll never see them again um, and then there's the liar as well that's like I never did that that never happened who's using that gaslighting um the bad father that then like will tell the kids oh I I had I had it where I was like mommy's gonna I'm gonna go for a run and then I'll meet you at the park and it's like mommy doesn't want to come to the park with you and it's that kind of manipulation and and, and as a parent it's the last you want to protect your child you don't want them to be in that situation so you kind of cave uh the king of the castle that wants you to control you especially as a teacher because everyone's got that perception of a teacher that you finished at three your days really easily so I used to come home feed my child look after my child put my child to bed then cook dinner feed him clear up um and 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 it would never be enough and he would sit and do nothing and everything was expected to be me it was it was I did all the cooking all the cleaning all the childcare, everything on top of a full paid job and it's like it's that's not right you should be looking for someone that's teamwork that you're doing it together it's not a one-sided thing and then there's the sexual controller as well that uses that to to as as, as a weapon to control you um so there's all those different kind of areas 
within it that you need to consider that they're going through when you're supporting them kind of leaving or like especially even if they're experiencing one or two of those things there's a lot going on in their mind and actually if you look at the research there's some research that um this person will generally be in fight or flight all of the time it might be a case that actually when they come to work that's the only time that they're not in fight mode and actually it's quite nice that they're kind of going into work to relax that's the point where they've not got the adrenaline they can just be themselves and teach and, and be really good but at home they're they're on edge they're on they're standing on eggshells they don't know what person they're going to get and quite often as well like um with abuse as well it might not be very often it might only be once or twice a year um so it might be that um depending on where they are in that cycle uh, will depend on on kind of what mood they're in as well so uh quite often they might uh, if, it, if it's gearing up to a point where they're going to go and go, uh, um they'll be very very on edge uh they might even like be quite tired in the point where they, they pick the argument uh to make it happen and then they'll feel like it's their fault but then actually once it's once the violence has happened they're really really nice and it's really lovely they buy them flowers because they're sorry um and actually the relationship is really lovely because they're like they're going to try again that it'll never happen again it'll never happen again it'll be really um it'll be amazing i'll do everything that i promised you i'll promise you the world um and love bombing again uh, so it is this really difficult cycle for them to escape from. And I think that's really important that people understand that it isn't as simple as like, oh, they've they've been abusive. I, you need to leave. It, it's it's such a cycle. And quite often they will um, keep the possessions and hold them hostage or things. So it is quite often if, if they are planning to leave, you need to think about what agencies you can get involved in. Like previously I said about letting the police aware of if you're planning on doing it at a certain time make sure maybe friends and family are with you I did that I got lots of friends I uh, got all my family um with me so that there was no situation that could happen because they were all there it wouldn't happen in front of other people there there that's quite another bit as well is that um there's two sides of it so um quite often you can kind of see the different sides of people uh coming through um so it's quite interesting in that respect about how they kind of interact um with other people and then how they are behind closed doors so don't necessarily take the perception that you've seen of that person as the person um that they are don't disbelieve what somebody's telling you basically um so you want to be um supportive in the way that you're kind of helping them get out of the situation uh, and just know that if they need time but quite often they'll probably want to work through it because that's that's the thing that's the thing that's keeping them going and that's the the the, the positive in their life is going to work and making a difference and being a teacher um so but just need to think about also in terms of if you do do cpd on this kind of thing just be conscious of what people are going through and what they might be experiencing um i i made my slt quite aware that i'd left um my marriage i hadn't told them the reasons why but i literally turned up to um the inset uh the month later because it was i did it in the summer holidays and um they did a whole whole session on inset about how um a child from a single household parent household um would do worse and it was like being in an abusive 
having experienced abuse on them because uh, they now only have a single parent. And I know my other friend was there was also a single parent and we were the only two single parents out of all the, the staff body and we looked at each other and she knew what I'd been through and kind of it, it sometimes it could be like doing that in, in a whole room of people is quite difficult and to have a bit of tact and think about we 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 as teachers perhaps necessarily kind of sometimes think that we uh, are these things don't happen to us but actually if you read the stats um it, it is likely there's likely to be one person in every school that um uh, in teaching staff that has experienced um domestic abuse so it, it is more prevalent than we think um certainly the students have and it's granted it's important that we understand the signs that they are experiencing but it's important that we have tact in the way that we deliver uh what we are looking at um as well in terms of that but so we've talked about a kind of the different things and signs we need to look for trying to help the person if they're uh, thinking about leaving and thinking about kind of what we can offer them um, but I think it, it goes back to that point that I said earlier, giving them a safe place, giving them somewhere that they can find themselves again. Um, maybe they need some um, help. Quite often they feel quite isolated, like maybe in the holidays. Could you meet up? Could you take the kids somewhere and give them a safe space to open up a little bit more and help them be able to find themselves? So maybe actually having a bit of responsibility or giving them a job or something that they can do or a task that they can do that they can actually kind of rebuild themselves as well um, can be quite useful. But also to bear in mind kind of the other side of it, um, I was definitely in a situation that mine didn't like me progressing and didn't like me being successful. So every night when I got a little bit stressed out for an interview or was trying to prep for an interview, that would definitely be a situation for me because it was about me so therefore he would make it into a situation that was about him because it very much couldn't be about me so it's also thinking about kind of situations where um pressure points that might happen like if they're coming in um after the world cup things like that thinking about the situations that they might be in that that kind of might put pressure on points it might be a case that um cost of living or something like that the end of the months before payday can be quite difficult as well and also pinch points for abuse so it might be a case of just educating and making aware and looking for those situations but i think it's mostly important that schools have policies and they have taught their line managers of how to deal with those situations and know what to look for and how to support them because it really isn't as simple as just leaving and it's making sure that if they have admitted it and they have left or are planning on leaving it's the support you put in afterwards because the abuse does not stop when they leave it it continues on for much further than that and much further than you think it is it's a good um a couple of years quite often um i have as i like i said i did the freedom project which i highly recommend and quite often you can get a they have a, like a little side group chat uh, which everyone supports and it's it's really nice and it, it is that from that coercive control you constantly think that your reality and how you see things and what happens to you and the way they act um, is normal but it's not actually normal it's very much abnormal behavior so saying the way they acted out loud to somebody or messaging a group of people and getting them to be like no that is not right um can also kind of just make them feel supported and lifted so i think that's very much something if they if they do mention something in passing that they might be testing and kind of going is this normal very much kind of go no this would be more 
kind of how somebody I'd expect somebody to react in that situation could be quite a, a kind of a good way of kind of helping them kind of understand situations and just making them feel supported there might be points where they do have to step out and have more appointments and things and and get that support in place because especially if they get if they do leave and then they have to go through the court process um that's going to put a lot of financial strain on them as well as kind of time constraints uh, the processes are quite long and uh, full on in terms of kind of going through the courts and they're very very costly um, I would also very much advise anybody that does leave and have children that they consider getting um, a childcare order um, as well as a consent order in terms of um, your finances because if they if you don't get one of those and then um, something happens later, they can turn around and try and get money later. So you want to, it's part of that uh, no contact, trying to really, really reduce down that contact with them, that you are re- getting rid of that um, opportunity for them to try and manipulate you over finances at any point. So do cut that off and cut that off early. Don't, even if it means you have to move or change your situation, it's, it's important to kind of, cut it and keep that contact don't give them anything that they can try and coerce you with and same as with the children so if if they're on the birth certificate as well it makes it very very difficult because although we know that if 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 a a partner is being abused then the likelihood is that there is some abuse potentially that child is more at risk um but until they've done anything the police can't do anything if they're on there so for example i've had it that um, at Christmas uh, we were meant to have um, half the day each. I went to my was going to my sister's because they were in London and my niece was really ill and we wanted to go see them. Um, but I broke my foot previously, um, and he asked me if I was still going to drop him off. And I said, I, I don't know. It depends. I've, I've got a hospital appointment. If, if they say I can drive, then that'll be no problem. I can drop him off. Um, I never said it. He wasn't going to have him. It was just going to be like it might not be me driving, but we didn't really have a long chat because we have limited contact um next thing i know i get a message saying he's keeping him and he's not returning him he's going to keep him for the whole christmas i'm not getting him back um which is also an issue because he has medication and he didn't have enough medication for the situation but the police would not do anything about it because there's no order against him um because that costs thousands of pounds to go through the court so um definitely make sure you have a childcare order because then if they do break it, they don't return them. They try and do anything manipulation-wise, definitely get that. And then you've got the consent order to cover yourself financially against them so they can't try and take anything or come back at you for that way. So it's really important to kind of break that cycle of abuse as soon as you can afterwards. It's really, really difficult, but the quicker you do it, the easier it is to kind of go no contact. And it does it does get better. But it is about, especially with a narcissist like um, I defined earlier, they they are never going to change. A narcissistic can't change. Uh, they don't have those pathways in their brain. They don't know how to uh, not use things that don't benefit them. And unfortunately, that goes for the children as well. So uh, the child, as I spoke about earlier, about supplies, a child is a supply. Whilst they're young, they're giving them attention. When they buy them presents, they get praise. When they take them out and do the stuff, they get praise. When that child gets older and starts kind of perhaps seeing the manipulation, seeing the things they're telling them and then like sending them back home to, to repeat, they kind of will cotton on to that kind of behaviour and understand it and perhaps then not want to have contact with them. But it is, it's 
they don't necessarily love the child like a normal person loves and and it's and it's really sad and I do feel sorry for them for that but essentially um that that is narcissism their brain isn't wired in the same way they don't have the same schema the same pathways to understand what love is and be empathetic um so it's it's important that you kind of understand that there will be some manipulation afterwards and after the fact and how you can support them because to be honest treading eggshells in the situation is quite often easier than the the kind of trying to regain control afterwards so it's really important to think about what you can offer the staff especially if they do disclose that they're going through all that they might not they might just do it all by themselves um, and not tell anybody or maybe they tell people after the once it's kind of healed and they're they're out of that situation but if if they're lucky enough to let you in then just be there for them and help them and guide them and and just help them rebuild themselves because they will find themselves they would have lost very much lost themselves like i said earlier it's very much being um in an abusive situation and kind of having those different types of abuser so like specifically the head worker so the head worker that puts you down makes you feel like kind of stupid fat ugly um like unable to do anything can't survive on their own like if once they've kind of built that into you and then the gaslighting, it didn't happen like that. You that isn't what you didn't have abuse like that. That's not abuse. I never did that. That's not what I said. You you're imagining things, that's not what happened. And and you kind of been in that for quite a significant amount of time. It is gonna take quite a long time to kind of retrain yourself to trusting yourself and understanding yourself. And it's it's that as well with um they actually say because because you're in that fight or flight mode quite a lot um when you're in the abusive situation that actually affects your hippocampus and actually affects your your memory so actually people from um who suffer from abuse actually have kind of uh, issues with memory loss for a little while until they start rebuilding that back up because there's just been so much adrenaline from the the fight or flight mode and then that adds to the gaslighting as well and they're not being able to trust yourself and not being able to trust what you remember and and their manipulation of the situation so um i highly recommend writing everything down as well especially the things that happen afterwards and um, get a diary log it because you although it's kind of one-sided you can also put that into the courts as well um and also it just helps in terms of kind of logging everything in your memory and making sure you've got everything in order every tiny little detail that you can possibly think of like kind of picking up late when they called you when they asked you not to um if they've tried contacting you when they've been told not to uh things like that and same as use those third party apps or like i even had a family member so they had to message my family a member before they could get to me um things like that put in barriers um there's an same as Get, remove them from social media, remove all their friends from social media, block them, try and really reduce that no, non-contact. Um, Facebook do do a thing as well that if you you can ask for a break from someone and they will like block them for you, they won't put them on your stream. So if you don't feel brave enough to initially do that or you're worried about their reaction if you did that, then you could do something like that. Um, <laughs> I ironically did that and then mine thought he'd deleted me and then he deleted me and I hadn't. By quite then I was like no and then he tried to add me back because he wanted to see what was going on I was like no I I I you did that yourself I am not responsible but I am not adding you back and actually it's quite a lot of freedom but do make sure you're you're removing everybody else and again 
that kind of make sure actions max word make sure you're not adding strangers because quite often they'll make fake accounts and try and find and manipulate in that way as well so it's it's a really it's a really difficult experience to go through um and you do come out stronger the other side there is lots of positives to having been through it and survived it and feeling like you're you can survive anything afterwards uh, and having a support group and doing something like the freedom project um or finding calling and speaking to women's aid or leeway or or any of the helplines and just speaking to somebody no matter how many times as well because you kind of you're made to feel like it's all in your brain you're imaginizing you're dramatizing it that you actually feel like you can't call them there's somebody worse off there's somebody else needs to call somebody else needs to speak to them i'm not worthy to call them um but it is really important that you you do reach out and you keep speaking out because when you it's it's having that person on the other end of the line or having that colleague that goes no that kind of behavior isn't okay and this is what we can do this is how we're going to react to it this is how we're going to keep you safe and protect you um from it further and i think it's 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 a really really tricky situation and i do think we need to teach students more about it and have them have a greater understanding of what to look for and what those key words are and understanding what they are to really make sure that we're making sure people's intentions are pure and good and that we're not kind of being controlled or lured into something because somebody wants uh, the things that we have. I like to think, well, I, I thought of it as that I was a very, very happy person I had a lot going for me. I had a great family and that was what he wanted. He wanted to understand what being happy was. He wanted to understand what a, a, a good family was. So I was I was everything that he wanted in his life. So I was able to provide that. I was his supply. So uh, he inserted himself into that situation and he took all of that. He, like when I ran out of happy, that was it, like it was easier to not be happy. Sometimes it was easier to be if I, if I was happy, he would want it. If I was sad, I was an easy target. So it's easier to just be monotone. So that's something to kind of look out for in colleagues that if they are just perhaps sticking on that one level, they're not being as sparky as they normally are, or they don't seem quite right. That, that's quite an indicator that they've just become this middle ground because it's easier to be that than, than the other options. Um, and but it, But that's the thing. I have got my sparkle back. I've got my independence back and I've got become back to the person that I was prior to it so it's important to know that you can find yourself again it is a process but you are strong enough if, you, if you're strong enough to leave you're strong enough to survive the bit after don't go back <laughs> um but it is easy to understand when you read through the different personas how people get lured into that and if they do go back support them help them make them better equipped for the for the when they maybe achieve it the next time i think on average it takes a woman uh, seven times to leave their abuser officially um which is quite scary in itself as a fact but um but i think if we can make the support available to people and know where to look and how to support as colleagues uh find that person in your school and be that person for them to make sure that they're supported in their happy place uh, which is work and make sure that they can be that happy all the time. 
So I hope you've enjoyed the show. Um, that went past very, very quickly. Um, but like I said, I've, I've, I've signposted a lot of places to go look for information. Um, but people are more than welcome to message me, Hannah Wilson, uh, and I'm happy to answer any questions or help anybody if anybody needs it. Thank you very much for listening. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.